how many of you either received as a gift or bought for yourself new clothes during Christmas? All right. A lot of you. Okay. <laughs> new Bama shirt. It <laughs> uh, seems like uh, clothing is a uh, very popular gift around uh, Christmas time. Uh, some people like getting clothes for Christmas. Uh, usually kids don't, <laughs> right? Um, they want toys. They want gadgets, uh, not clothes. But uh, we, uh, we, like to, we like to get new clothes. It's, uh, it's fun to get a new wardrobe, uh, some, some new clothing. Uh, I'm wearing a new shirt and a new tie, thanks to my lovely wife. Um, but we like to have new clothes sometimes. Clothing is important, right? I think we would all agree with that. Clothing is important. Clothing is important to cover us, for one thing, but we also express ourselves through our clothing, don't we? Uh, clothing says something about who we are, how we desire to pre- present ourselves to the world. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, Paul uses clothing as a metaphor. He uses it as a figure of speech to portray the kind of life that we should portray to the world. And he, he talks about the virtues of the Christian life in terms of clothing. He says in verse number 12, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. And he lifts several more virtues of the Spirit. And so he uses this idea of clothing ourselves, putting on as an adornment, as a raiment. And there are other passages in Scripture that speak this way. In fact, there are some verses in Scripture that even use this kind of language of putting on clothes with Christ himself. We have some verses that say, put on Christ. And probably with the idea of of live your life in a Christ-like way and and exude, portray Christ-likeness to the world. But in this passage, Paul gets specific in the types of clothing, spiritual clothing, that we should put on. And I've titled this message, A New Wardrobe for a New Year. And with the idea of these are the kind of virtues that we should exhibit in the new year. Really always, but this is my exhortation to us for the new year. That we would exhibit this kind of Christian virtue as we present ourselves to the world. Now, obviously, there are some things that Paul assumes here in Colossians three twelve through seventeen, he assumes the new birth. He assumes uh, the the act of regeneration by God's grace through the Holy Spirit, in which God has transformed us and moved us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. In fact, in a little bit earlier in the passage, he speaks of putting off the new man and putting on the new man in the past tense as something that has already happened to us because of our new life in Christ. So there's a transformation that has already happened by means of the new birth, through the grace that God has given. But now, on the basis of that foundation of the gospel, and the new birth that the Spirit has wrought in our souls, Paul is exhorting us in very specific ways to put on Christ, to put on these virtues. And so he says, as God's chosen people. And there you can see what Paul is assuming. He's assuming that we have been chosen by God, that we have been uh, lavished with God's grace, and that we have been transformed 
by that grace of God into his people. So as his people, holy, loved by God, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. In verse 13, he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these things put on, all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray and ask God to help us during this time. Father, we thank you that we can come to your holy word today, that we can read its truths, and that we can allow these words to shape our minds, shape our thinking, and to shape our behavior. Lord, I pray that we would be your people, holy, dearly loved, chosen by you, and that we would exemplify and live out the fact that we are your called holy people in this new year. Father, I pray that we would seek to live for you, seek to display and put on these virtues in our lives. And Lord, help us to remember that it is never by our own strength or our own power that we can uh, display Christ-likeness. But Lord, it is always because of the work that you are doing inside of us by your spirit that we can display these virtues to the world. And so Lord, continue to transform us. Help us to continue to depend upon you for the strength and the grace to live these out. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. My exhortation for us in the new year is that our lives would be adorned with love. In the new year, may your lives be adorned with love. In verse 14, Paul says that all of these virtues that he has just mentioned are bound together in unity by love. Really, I think one way of understanding it is that love is the core virtue out of which these other virtues flow. And so without love, you can't show compassion. Without love, you can't show kindness. Without love, you can't forbear and bear with one another's sins and mistakes. Without love, you can't forgive one another as Christ forgave us. And so that's what I think Paul means when he says love binds all of these together in perfect unity. And so love is what should characterize Christians in the new year. Really all times, right? Jesus says to his disciples, here is how people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It is the fundamental Christian virtue. God loved us. He first loved us, and now we express that love back to him and to others because he first loved us. But love is the, the primary Christian virtue. And love is something that is given to others without expectation of anything in return, isn't it? 
Love is given to others without anything in expectation of return. I think that's probably the hardest thing about displaying Christ-like love. It's easy to love, it's easy to give when you know you're going to receive something in return. Whether somebody's going to pay you back for a loan or a gift that you've given, or you know, you invite somebody over to dinner and you know somewhere along down the line they're probably going to invite you back over to dinner. Or at least somebody will, will thank you for the deed or the gift that you give. It's easy to give, it's easy to love when we know that there's going to be something in return coming back. But what happens when you love and that love is scorned? That love is rebuked. That love is not responded to with gratitude, with kindness, but that love is responded to with even more hostility. That's when it gets tough to love, isn't it? But yet, that's what Christ has called us to. Christ has called us to love in the way that God loved us, in the way that Christ loved us. And when Christ demonstrated love in his life on earth, he was rejected, wasn't he? When Christ displayed his tenderness and compassion and mercy, he was rejected, he was ridiculed, he was mocked. And the ultimate sacrifice that he gave in his gift of love on the cross, he was mocked and he was humiliated and he was rejected. But yet he loved even his enemies. That is the essence of God's sacrificial love, is that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, Christ loved us. And so he's called us to love as God loved us, not just when it's easy to love, but even when it's challenging to love. And that means that love has to come from a source that is bigger than ourselves. Because it's not humanly possible to sustain that kind of self-giving sacrificial love in our own power. It has to come from the grace of God, from the indwelling Holy Spirit. And then as we love others, there are some of these traits, some of these virtues that are going to flow out of that, and Paul lists them for us. And I don't think these are necessarily exhaustive. We could probably list other elements of Christian love, but this is a good sampling, isn't it, of how we should relate to one another in love. He says, be compassionate. Be compassionate. The idea of compassion is the idea of sharing Feelings, compassion. In other words, uh, knowing and understanding and identifying with the feelings and the emotions and the situations of other people. It's very similar to what Paul says in Romans 12 when he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. To put yourself in, in someone else's mindset, in their heart, when they're struggling, to understand their sorrows, to understand their griefs, to understand their setbacks. Also, to understand their joys and what they're going through and to identify with them in that. It takes love to have that kind of, of eyes being opened to see the needs of other people and then to have your heart identify with their heart in that situation that they're going through. Kindness. Kindness is fairly self-explanatory, isn't it? It's just doing simple acts of deferring the other person above yourself. It's, you know, it's very simple of, you know, if you see a piece of trash on the ground and you pick it up instead of saying uh, someone else will get that, right? 
or it's seeing a chore that maybe needs to be done in the house. And instead of saying, if I wait long enough, the other person will do it. It's doing it yourself and taking that, that preemptive move of kindness. It's allowing someone else to go in front of you at the store. It's, it's just saying a word of encouragement, opening your mouth to, to give a compliment, encouragement. Just simple acts of kindness flow out of a heart of love. Humility, not, not seeing yourself as better than other people, more accomplished, more talented, more worthy than other people, but seeing yourself as essentially a part of humanity. And we are all, everything that we have is a gift from God. And so putting others ahead of yourself, being humble, having a servant spirit, gentleness, Gentleness is just, you know, in your words, in your actions, not having a quick temper, not, not being quick to, to raise the temperature of the mood of the, of the environment, but someone who is able to calm, someone who's able to bring down the, the, the hostility, gentleness, treating one another with, with love and care, patience. And I think patience flows into verse number 13, where he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. The idea of patience is, is bearing up under and enduring the faults and the failures and the sins of others. Other people are going to do things that are hurtful. They're going to sin against you in, in, in evil ways. People will sin against you, but also people may do things that are not necessarily sinful, but we make mistakes, right? We have, we have traits, we have tendencies, we have habits that are probably annoying to other people around us. And Paul says, bear, bear with one another in patience and, and endure the, the faults and the, the mistakes and the failures of other people. And if someone does something against you, have a heart that is willing and generous to forgive. Just as God forgave us. And then he says, love binds all of this together in unity. May our lives be characterized by love. Secondly, may our lives be adorned with peace. May our lives be adorned with peace. He says in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. May our lives be adorned with peace. I think there's maybe two senses that we use the word peace. One is the idea of like an inner peace, an inner tranquility, a calmness in, in the face of difficult situations. That in the, in the idea of like when Jesus was on the boat with his disciples in the middle of the water and the waters were tumultuous and the wind was blowing and Jesus says, peace, be still, right? It's, it's a calmness in the face of the storm. I think one way of understanding peace is that it's, it's an inner calmness, a tranquility, even while the storms are raging around you. God can grant that to his people. Peace, to feel that even when things are not calm around you, your heart can be calm. But I think there's also another sense of peace in the idea of peace with one another, a a relational peace in in the sense that we're all together, not in hostility, but on the same page, 
being of one mind, of one heart, in harmony. And I think maybe Paul is leaning more toward that idea of peace in verse 15, because he says, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. So he's emphasizing the unity of the body of Christ, and that we as a body, as a family of God, were called to peace with one another. So I think he's emphasizing that relational peace, that relational harmony that is to be there between brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. But may our lives be characterized by peace. And in order to maintain that peace, there are some elements of love that have to go into that, right? Of forbearing with one another and forgiving one another and and not letting the mistakes and the failures of others divide us and drive a wedge in that peace. But may we be called to peace. I, I pray for peace in our church. I pray for peace in your homes. I pray for harmony in your homes and your families. I pray for harmony, for peace uh, with your coworkers. Paul says in Romans 12, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And so may your lives be characterized by peace. Thirdly, may your lives be adorned with wisdom. May your lives be adorned with wisdom. In verse 16, he says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to, uh, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So may your lives be adorned with wisdom. Where does that wisdom come from? Well, James tells us that if we lack wisdom, we can ask God. And he grants wisdom. Here, Paul is saying that wisdom comes from the word of Christ, doesn't he? The message of Christ, the word of God. One of the greatest, the greatest, let me rephrase that, the greatest source of wisdom that we have is right here in this book. In the scriptures you're holding in your lap, this is the greatest source of wisdom in the world that has ever been given. And so, yes, we can ask God for wisdom and he will give wisdom. But oftentimes the manner in which he gives that wisdom is through what he has already spoken to us. He's already revealed it to us in his word. And we need to take advantage of this wisdom that he has provided in his word. And so I hope that you will have some kind of, of routine, some kind of plan, some kind of purpose to read the scriptures. Even if it's not your plan to read through the whole Bible, maybe that's too much for you. Have some kind of a plan to read through Scripture in this new year so that God's wisdom can come into your hearts and so that your life may be adorned with that wisdom. He also puts it into the context of worship where he says that we can take this wisdom and we can sing it to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so may this wisdom be may this wisdom adorn our lives in our worship in the way that we we relate to one another but in all aspects of our life may we have that wisdom of God as a part of who we are and may we exude that wisdom in our actions and our relations with other people fourthly verse 17 in this new year may your lives be adorned with thankfulness Thankfulness. Three times, three different places in this passage, Paul mentions thankfulness. At the end of verse 15, 
he says, and be thankful. In verse 16, he says, singing this wisdom with gratitude in your hearts. And then in verse 17, he says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. So three different times in this passage, he mentions the concept of thankfulness or gratitude. And I think that that has an, an incredible way of orienting our, our perception of the world. Our perception of our lives, our perception of our circumstances, and that is through the lens of gratitude. I love it when, when scripture and psychology or even secular advice merge together and shows the wisdom of God. Because so many times in the Bible, we are called to thankfulness, aren't we? We're called to give thanks in all things. And I've also seen very often recently in, in a lot of articles that I've read about how to, to be a happier person, to have a more fulfilled life. And this is coming from a secular point of view. To have a more fulfilled, happy, peaceful life is to adopt a spirit of gratitude. And one of the things that suggested was to start each day with a routine. And one of the parts of that routine is to write down some things that you're thankful for. Write down things that you are grateful for that you have in your life. And that's coming from secular wisdom. Certainly we can see from the scriptures, the wisdom of that, that, but now from a secular point of view, they're just thankful that they have them. We know from a Christian worldview, we're thankful to a person, aren't we? We're thankful to God for these blessings that he's given to us. But this spirit of thankfulness, it has a way of orienting your life. If you approach your day with a spirit of gratitude, then you are not as likely to be uh, overwhelmed by the negative events that may happen that day. You will be able to, yes, there will still be frustrations and negative things that happen in your life, difficult things, but you'll be able to better put them into the right focus. And see them through the right lenses when you're viewing your life through the lens of thankfulness to God for what he has done for you. And so I would exhort you to have a life that is more thankful in this coming year than in the past. Now, as we close our time together, let me try to put this into something that I think may be practical for us. Everything that I've said today is nothing new. Right, we, we've all, if you've been in church for a month, you've heard that love is a part of the Christian life. Forgiveness, wisdom from God is found in his word. As Christians, we know these things. So nothing that I've said today is radically new, unfamiliar to us. But here's the problem, is that a lot of times we don't put them into practice and one of the reasons we don't put them into practice is because we don't plan to put them into practice. So it's one thing for me to say, I want you to be a people of love in this coming year. But how are we going to do that? We need, to, we need specific ways, right, that we can do that. If we leave things in the generic, then it will never get done. Goals 
plans have to be specific. And so let me exhort you with each of these things, whether it be love or wisdom or thankfulness or peace, try to come up with some ways. Sit down, maybe later today, at some point, maybe this week, and and even write down, put on paper, okay, here's here are some things, maybe one or two things, specifically, as detailed and specific as possible, as a way that I can show love to other people. Here, here is a way very specifically that I can, I can nurture a relationship of peace and harmony with another person. Maybe it's a relationship that has been tough. Maybe it's a relationship that has been strained. What is it that maybe you can implement into that relationship that may move that relationship toward peace and harmony, even one degree or one inch? What is there that, that I can do to try to establish that relationship of peace? How, how can I gain wisdom from God in this new year? How, how can I make the scriptures a, a better part of my life this year? So you need to come up with a plan. Here's what I'm going to read. Here's when I'm going to read it. Here's where I'm going to read it. Here's where it fits into my life, into my pattern. And here's the plan. Here's how I'm going to try to be more thankful this year. I'm going to, each day after I read the scriptures, I'm going to take out a piece of paper or a three by five card or my journal, and I'm going to write down at least one thing that I'm thankful for. Those are specific ways. You you have to put it into practice in very specific ways. And it's going to be different for each of us. So I can't give us all one plan that we all follow. It's all going to be unique to each of you. But you have to put that into a specific plan or it won't happen. And so my prayer is that you'll remember this message, remember this challenge, and then take it and seek to come up with a plan that will help you to grow in each of these areas in the coming year. May your 2019 be more characterized by love, peace, wisdom, and gratitude than 2018. May we grow in each of these Christian virtues. And may God help us to do that by his grace. Let's bow together. Our Father, we want to thank you for how merciful and gracious you are to us as sinners. As we meditate and think on your love for us, It is almost incomprehensible that you, the perfect, holy, righteous God, would love and show compassion to sinners such as us. Lord, may that truth help us, motivate us, give us the grace to show love and compassion to others. Father, may we grow in love. May we grow in peace Help us, Lord, to live peaceably with others. May we be peacemakers, as Jesus called us in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. May we be people of peace. Lord, may we be characterized by wisdom, be seekers of wisdom, as Proverbs teaches us, to seek wisdom far above gold or rubies. Lord, may we be people of gratitude and thankfulness remembering all that you have done for us. May we not forget your acts of grace and mercy. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done for us. Help us, Lord, by your spirit to work this out and to to put it into practice in the coming year. Lord, may you be glorified among your people and may our good deeds bring honor and glory to you. And we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.